Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart.
God. Well, let's jump right into this this morning. It's good to see everybody. I don't know about you guys, but other than the freeze, I think we've had a pretty good winter. Yes. Amen. Yes. I know I told y'all a few years ago that I like the snow and ice. I've thus changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be in agreement with y'all completely this morning on that. Come out and just say, I hate the ice. And um, just what a good day to be in the house of God today. We've got, a, we've got a lot of people that are hurting and struggling right now. Um, we've got quite a few people that are that are out, three or four people that are out due to some major, major illness. There are some major struggles uh, in their life right now. Um, life and death. Situations. Can we can we be real in the pulpit? Y'all okay with that? Instead of fluffing it up today, Amen. We need to intercede for quite a few folks right now that are struggling. And uh, how many of you know if the rapture doesn't come, we're all going to die. That's right. Yeah. You know you know that right. So either way, you better be ready to meet Jesus, right? And uh, so this morning, I want to. Read something I, I, I read last night real quickly to jump right into this. Charles Spurgeon has some amazing sermons and quotes um, over his many years of preaching. And he says, Jesus, it is the name which moves the harps of heaven to melody. Jesus, the life of all our joys. If there be one name more precious than another, it is this name. It is woven into the very warp and woof of our psalmody. Many of our hymns begin with it, and scarcely any that are good for anything end without it. It is the sum total of all delights. It is the music with which the bells of heaven ring, a song and a word, an ocean for comprehension, although a drop for brevity, a matchless oratorio, uh, in two syllables, a gathering up of the hallelujahs of eternity in five letters. Let me read that last part to you. A gathering up of the hallelujahs of eternity in five letters. What an amazing name that we serve today. The name of Jesus. We don't serve the assemblies of God. We don't serve a pastor. We don't serve a board. Our, our servanthood is completely to the high priest, the high shepherd, and his name is Jesus. Y'all should be excited about that. Amen. Y'all should be excited about that. If you're not excited, then you're going to have an opportunity to get saved in just a little while. I want to start here in John. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 13 in the New King James. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for as, as a witness to bear witness of the light. 
that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. These verses are, are, are very powerful. We read in John 20, 31 that... Uh, the verses are written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, if you guys knew this, just a few little facts here. John the Baptist, uh, as you know, was, was a uh, really, truly, he was an Old Testament prophet. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets that came after 400 years of of, of, not, of God not using a prophet. And so we have John the Baptist transitioning uh, this world through the word of God in him, transitioning, getting ready for the light to walk up. And so one day the light walked right up and said, hey, John, what's up? I'm ready to get baptized. Let's start this show on the road, right? Yeah. And so Jesus walked up, and y'all know the story is not just a history to us, but it is our present, it is our future, it is our eternity. John the Baptist was never the light. He said that very clearly. The Word says that clearly. That, and, and I want to say it clearly to all of us today. None of you possess a light of your own. The light that you have in you is a light of reflection. A ref you are supposed to be a reflector. If you came in the front or the back door of the church today, I guess they're both front doors depending on how you look at it, right? I don't care if you came in the side door or through the, through the gymnasium. I don't care if you came in. You're here today and you are supposed to be given a little example of being a reflector. Let me just jump to the punchline of the sermon early. If you've got a reflector in your hand, it's a reminder that re that reflector in your hand does not produce light on its own. It, is, it only produces light when it is reflected. When light is reflecting off of it. I want you to put that on your keychain. And I want you to be reminded that you are supposed to be a reflector of Christ. I was going to tell you all that at the end of the sermon. But I just jumped right to it. So y'all y'all have a blessed day. Take a donut. Get some water. And get on your merry way. No, no, no. No, I do get paid by the hour. So, I want to make sure I get in a good three hours of preaching today. And I don't know what my hourly rate is, but I'll tell you, it's too low. <laughs> it's too low. Praise God. You know, it's amazing to me if you, if you guys know anything about the sun, if you've done any studies about the sun and the light that the sun produces, you'll know that it only takes, if, if the sun went out right now, it would only take eight minutes for this world to be in complete darkness. If the sun blew up or burned out or whatever, God just, just, just put it out, 
like this, we would have eight minutes of slowly fading, quickly fading light rays. And within uh, minute 12 and 13 and 14, the earth would begin to freeze over. It would happen that quickly. How many of you know today that you're alive because God has said, stay alive? How many of you know today that your lungs are working because of the Spirit of God on the inside of you? That your blood is circulating because of the blood of Jesus? How many of you believe today that you're alive right now merely because of the power of morning and said, Son, come alive today. Son, rise and fall at your leisure. Son, I command you to be bright today and not snow, right? If you did say those things, then we need to have an intimate talk about your personal theology. There's only one creator. Hallelujah. And you're not him. Our God has created us today to come into this house of worship. And I love that that sun is bouncing off somebody's SUV right in my eyes right now. Because it's a reminder of the, I'm not joking, it's a reminder of God's power that it is His light that lights up this place, that lights up your children, that lights up your life, that lights up this church out of religion and legalism and pain. You know, I'm learning the less that I preach around here, the better this church is. I'm not joking. That's God. It is so awesome to know. I mean, I, I, I had a devotion ready before the bath, and I, the Lord just said, leave your iPad on your desk. And I came out here and, and God was already doing some things in the hearts of people and there was an expectation and there was an exuberance and there was a readiness to see God move in power. And it may not be the kind of power that you define as power, but I saw the power of God in this chapel on Wednesday night. Yes. Amen. Yes. And I'm going to tell you that water and that bath, I had it pretty hot, but it got hotter the longer we were in that baptismal. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm not inflating this. I stayed in that. Was, that was a hot tub. Holy Ghost hot tub. That needs to be the new, the new Christian movie coming up. Alright, praise God. Let me, let me get to the sermon. That was stupid. So dumb. Second Corinthians three eighteen. Christians reflect like mirrors the glory of the Lord. There's different translations. That was J. B. Phillips' translation. Christians reflect like mirrors. The King James Bible translated as beholding as in glass. 
And, and there's another translation that says you become like the company you keep. And Paul explains it this way, that all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. How many of you know that when we look into a mirror, the Bible explains this, but let me get into a little more detail so that we all understand all on the same page. When, when, when he was talking about the, the example of a mirror, when we look into the mirror, it's not, it's not a quick glance that he's talking about and saying, oh yeah, you're a Christian today, move on with your day and do your thing. That look in the mirror of, of the image of God in us is supposed to be a stare down. It's supposed to be a time of reflection, a time that we look at God in the mirror and we see that the Holy Ghost, this is not science fiction, the Holy Ghost actually lives on the inside of us. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? That this is not something we're just coming, we're not bringing in false theology. The, the, the Holy Ghost, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says the Holy Ghost comes to dwell on the inside of you. Amen. And guess what starts at that point? Sanctification. Some of you folks think you're already sanctified. You are not. Look at your neighbor and say, I still messed up. you got to say it in bad English like that. I still messed up. Why? Because, because the Holy Spirit is working with you daily to get to the point of being ready for your death and your entrance into eternity. Sanctification is the process of Him continually cleaning things out of your life so you can conform. What's the ultimate goal of the Christian is to conform to the image of Christ Jesus. You're not trying to conform to the image of court riddle. My Lord, you're going to be a 46-year-old chubby guy. <laughs> funny you're on the inside of me when I came out. The ancient Greek word, katoprius, is translated, the bottom line of this translation is what we're talking about, about looking at ourselves over there. The bottom line is the more time you spend in God's presence, the more you will reflect His likeness and carry His presence with you. Beholding your face in a mirror. As I said a minute ago, it's more than a quick glance. It's, it's, it's a time when you are you're looking yourself in the eye. But what you're trying to see is, am I allowing Jesus to truly control my life? Am I allowing and being obedient to Jesus that my witness is sound, that I am reflecting His glory in everything that I say and do. And guess what? Here's, here's a, 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 just a blast for you. I'm sure you know it already, but you make mistakes daily. You look bad and you talk bad and you sound bad and you smell bad, spiritually speaking. I'm sure you all smell great today. And you do all these things. But guess what? The Lord says, I'm going to get you where I need you to be because I'm your dad. And a good father always grabs the hand of his kids and leads them. 
that street of high traffic because he knows we can't do it on our own. He knows that when we try to do things on our own, what do we look like? That splatted squirrel on the road that you saw on the way to church this morning. Raccoon, deer. Deers don't really flatten out with your car as a squirrel does. <laughs> okay. For those who don't know me, I am from Texas. Please don't hold that against me. Armadillos, they flatten pretty good, actually. Praise God. Let me tell you this. We see in 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. All things to the glory of God. We see in Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What, what am I trying to do to you guys right now? I'm trying to remind you of Christianity 101. I'm trying to remind you to, to and, until you decide to understand this, you probably need to stay away from prophecy. You probably need to stay away from all the things that you want to read about and know about. You need to understand that God has called you to reflect His glory on humanity. And if you don't want to do that and you're not interested in that, first of all, I have to question, and God questions your salvation. If you don't want to honor God in your life, does that mean you actually have a relationship with Him? I would ask the same thing of your marriage. If you say that you love your wife, you love your husband, then why aren't you showing that love? If you're not showing that kind of love to your spouse and you say it's a marriage, no, what it's called is a document. It's just a ring. It's just a diamond. It's not anything of, of substantial value if you're just going through the motions in the same with created Christianity. Jesus said either you're all in or you're all out. Private investment in Him projects a public reflection of Him. Amen. When you take the time to spend with God, that will translate in your life in ways that you can't even imagine. You can see people that have spent time with God. You can see people that are, are, are massively growing these amazing fruits of the Spirit in their life. Why? Not because they attended Sunday morning service, but they attended time with God in their home, in their living room, in their prayer closet, in their kids' room, sitting on that bed, reading them a story about God. We need to take account today. Do we really love the man that we call Savior? Do we really adore this man that gave up his life for us? Do we really see love manifesting in our life? Less time alone with God is less reflection of him. In your daily life. And listen to me. I'm talking about quality not quantity. 
You can have a quality 10 minutes with God daily that far surpasses three hours of religiosity. 10 minutes of power where God could take you from glory to glory. And, and, and guess what? He'll stop you from being a complainer. He'll stop you from critiquing everybody around you, critiquing the church, critiquing leaders, critiquing this, critiquing that. The Holy Ghost will stop you in your path and say, shut up. You want to spend time with me? Be quiet and listen to what I have to say. When you spend time with God, it is a time of refreshing, a time where He pulls you out of what has become a dim Pointless, sad life into a place of hope and forgiveness and love. God can pull you out of your addiction in a split second. And you got to believe with all that you are that your daddy's going to get saved and your mama's going to get saved and your kids are going to get saved and your grandkids. Come on, y'all should roar for that. You think you can save these people on your own? You think you have the ability to even win one soul on your own? No. The Bible tells us that it is the Father that calls us. It is the Father that calls us out. You don't have the ability. I don't care how, how much charisma and how charismatic you think you are as a Christian. We have to submit to the will of God for things to go His direction. Not about your will. Your will is stupid. Yes. Your will is fragmented. Your will is pointless. I mean, just offend some more people while I'm up here. Like I said, I get paid by the minute. I changed it from hour to minute because it's not going to take long at all now. You need to understand who you are in Jesus. You need to understand that He cares for you so much that He wants to correct you and you actually receive the correction and move forward in your life. You know, we can't just come in here and sing some songs and listen to a message and be changed. We have to allow the painter of our canvas to change us. We have to allow the light of him to reflect off of this. God already wrote his love letter to us. How will you write your love letter to him? What is God's love letter to us? Well, I'd love to say it's just the Bible, but it's not. God's love letter to us is Jesus. God gave us a love letter that, that entails every single answer, every single facet of our demise, our demoralization, our depression, our oppression. And he sends us a living, breathing sacrifice. A goat couldn't do it. A lamb couldn't do it. A cow couldn't do it. An ox couldn't do it. Only the true lamb of God could do it. 
And so now we're faced with a dilemma. Are we going to actually come into church and be the church? Or are we going to walk in and just continue to wear out the seats? You guys tell me that you want transparency, but sometimes I've noticed in church life and in almost 24 years of being in ministry, people say they want transparency and accountability until they're actually being held accountable for all the crap that they're doing. Pastors talk about that they want to be transparent and accountable until somebody holds them accountable. They're, how, how dare you talk to me like that? I'm holy. Ooh. I just needed some deep breaths. My oxygen was a little low. My Apple Watch. You know what? God has created us in a lot of ways on the exact same level. He's created us not only to forgive and to love, but He's created us to live and accept that we are extremely fallible. That we are men and women of God nonetheless, but being men and women of God, we've got to constantly fight the uphill battle of living a life in righteousness. We not only want to preach about righteousness, but righteousness means you are constantly in right standing with God. That means you don't have the option of holding things Shiny and pretty, 
He could come across as a, 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 a new job, a new relationship, a new church, a new book, a new study, a new philosophy, a new theology, and you're blown away because you're so captivated on how much hope it's brought you. But then you realize that that hope was a wrong, wrongly manifested hope that came from hell and not heaven. There's a lot of people in your life. People in your life come to add. They come to subtract. They come to multiply. They also come to divide. And, and the enemy will send people in your life to do just that. God will send people in your life to multiply you and to add to you. And, and are there to serve you and see you grow. Can I tell you today that you can't call yourself a Christian and be okay with any single form of abortion? I'm sorry, did I just get four amens? Amen. Let me say that again. Let me say it again. Because I just got extremely angry just then. There is nothing in this world that God has provided for it ever to be okay for you to take a child's life in the womb. Amen? Yeah. Progressive Christianity, what is that? Progressive Christianity includes just that. There are now allocations in churches all over the world where we say, okay, we believe in this part of the Word of God, but we don't believe in this part. Right. We believe that, hey, if you were in a rape situation and it was a horrible situation, the progressive church says you can abort that, that baby. But God says, no, you can't. If God wants to take that baby home before it's born, He will do that. If not, that baby is going to be born, and God is going to use that baby to start revival. So many people I know now that I'm just going to tell you I've broken off relationships with, and y'all can get mad at me and think I'm judgmental. I don't care. But I'm not going to have a relationship with somebody that believes that abortion is okay. I will have dialogue with them and I will show them scripture and I will try to help them. But I don't care if they're mama, daddy, son, daughter, whatever. I am not going to sit there in compliance with your demon theology. You guys need to take that stance too. You're going to have, you're going to have a whole lot less friends. Like me and Candace. But man, are we happy. Man, man, are we happy. I'm telling you, not hanging out with a bunch of people all the time is Holy Ghost time. I'm just telling you, do y'all really need all the so-called friends that you've got on Facebook? They're not even really your friends. They're Facebook friends. Take the, still bless you. Take the filter off. 
and realize that God wants you to be connected with authentic people that want to help advance the kingdom of God, not degrade it. First Corinthians 13, verse 12. We see now is like a dim image in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. What I know now is only partial. Then it will be complete as God's knowledge of me. Meanwhile, these three remain. Now listen to this. You think you know this verse. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is not faith. The greatest of these is not hope. How can anyone possibly have faith and hope if they don't understand love. In order to understand love, you've got to understand the love letter that was given to us. His name is Jesus. If you can't love God and love people, there's no point going any further with your so-called American gospel Christianity. I sent my boys a text this morning, right before I came out here. And I said, Bailey and Hayden, I'm so sorry that most of your life you have had to see the worst part of church life. I'm sorry that you have had to see so many pretend Christians. I'm sorry for that. But I ask that one day, and I hope very soon, because we're running out of town, I ask that running out of time, I ask that one day you would begin to look at Jesus and come back to him. When's the last time you sent a love letter text to somebody? When's the last time you got up in their spiritual facade, their spiritual face, and said, hey, brother, the road that you're on is going to lead you to hell? Oh, no, pastor, we don't do that. We don't do that because we believe that if we're just sweet and slow and don't mention hell and don't mention the judgment seat of God and that because of our lack of dialogue with them and our kindness and just smiling at them across the dinner table at Christmas and doing that, that that's going to show them the love of Jesus. Find me in the scripture where any prophet or any disciple walked through the town saying, Jesus loves you. What they did is they said, you better repent now. 
You better come to God now. See, every Sunday should be a fire drill. Every Sunday should be a time where, where we get in each other's soul and we say, do you really love your risen Savior or is it just a facade? Do you really, board members, do you really love him? Worship team, do you really, pastor, do you really love him more than anything else in your life? That is the question you've got to answer before you leave here today. What if I told you that Jesus was coming back at 3 p.m. today? I hope you cancel your lunch plans. I hope you give away all your food to your unsaved neighbors. Go ahead and just give them the key to your house. Because if you love Jesus at 3 p.m. today, you're going to be gone. Amen. You want your family and your friends to be left here wondering. Actually, they'll know immediately. The ones that you've told about Christ. The ones that you've been open with. I know you don't like this. Let me, let me just... This is a bit of a ripping. Every parent in here. Be holy to your children. Not nice. Your pleasantries and your platitudes are putting them deeper in hell. Oh, pastor, we don't believe that. We, we, just, we just believe, let's just calm down. I just can't seem to make myself calm down when it comes to people thinking they have more time. You want to calm down, that's up to you and your God. But between me and my God, my pulse is risen and my spiritual blood pressure is high. Because I want to see any single person that can make it, make it. I want to see the, the, the reservoirs of hell dry up because there's not enough people to go there. And, and we already know the borders of heaven is plenty big enough. <coughs> Horizontally, vertically, it's plenty big enough. 1,500 miles one way, 1,500 miles the next way. It's amazing how God has given us structures of what heaven will be like, and we sit around scratching our heads saying, we don't understand heaven. You understand more about heaven than you realize. Worship team, will you come? Charles Spurgeon said this, If Christ is not all to you, He is nothing to you. He will never go into partnership, listen to this, He will never go into partnership as a part-time Savior of men. If He be something, He must be everything. And if he be not everything, he is nothing to you. I always find it comical that part-time Christians 
want to rebuke full-time devils. It, it always blows my mind that part-time Christians think that they have authority over full-time demons. What's wrong? You don't like that? You don't like that? Not pretty enough? I can be pretty. Jesus loves you. Keep doing what you're doing. Jesus is still going to love you. But you will not make it to heaven. How's that for pretty? If you came at 3 o'clock today, I want to be able to say, Lord, I told people in a hopeful, saved church, I told people to get right before you and stop delaying. Take out your reflector. Hold it up real quick. So we have this reflector. I paid a lot of money for these reflectors. This is a budget item that was not approved by the board. I did this order on Amazon by myself. I didn't need your help, Candace. <laughs> so if you guys notice, we can see better than you guys. I can see you guys. Your reflectors are reflecting right now. It's amazing. There's a lot less light out here, and your reflectors are a lot brighter than ours because there's a lot of light on the stage. I want you to hold on the same way that you... Oh, stop this song. It's not a rock concert. <laughs> He's taking his cell phone and reflecting it on the reflector. I love it. Good enthusiasm. Wrong message, though. Wrong message. I want you to put this on your key ring. I want you to remember every day when you go in the store, when you go to work, when you go to your house of worship, when you are around your family, your goal is to reflect Jesus. Don't reflect what the world is doing. Don't, we're, we're not trying to reflect today what other churches are doing. I can care less about what other pastors and churches are. I don't mean that to be rude because some of them are doing amazing things right now in Jesus all over the world. But my concern is for here in this zip code. This is why Candace and I are going to be moving soon to the largest house. To the largest house in Calcutta. We have, listen, let me tell you, just, just put your reflector down. Lord, people. <laughs> Candace and I, we just really, not, not joking, but we just feel, really feel the urgency to, to get way closer to the church. The house that we got, this house has got a sanctuary already in it. It's got a gymnasium. It has got seven or eight bathrooms. It has got a pulpit. 
I mean, it, if, if a pastor is going to buy a house, it should be a house like Destiny House. Amen? That's right. Now, some of you are going to think that we're idiots, and that's okay. But pretty soon, we're going we're gonna to be here for a while. This will be our apartment up here. My part will be this balcony right here. And then Cooper and Candace will be in the other part. Jeff is installing a compost toilet right there on the balcony for me. I'm just, I'm getting a vision. I'm getting, you know, without a vision, people perish. And I... All kidding aside. All kidding aside. Do not be knocking on the church door to talk to me at 9 p.m. at night. Okay? I'm joking. I will not answer. I will treat you as a person that's trying to break into the church. For real, though. I'm kidding. Don't you know that God wants the best from all of us? Not to live our best life, but to live our life for Him. Now stand with me. I love this scripture. I'll close with this. We're gonna sing a song, be released. I do wanna, I do wanna pray over the body here in a second. But I love this scripture. This what Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 2 2. He says, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus. Christ and Him crucified. We can take an hour to preach on that message. To know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What if you guys committed to that kingdom cause right now today? That instead of just gathering knowledge and gathering things that are that you don't need. What about committing your life completely to Him and moving forward, not in a re religion, but in a relationship? We close your eyes and bow your heads this morning for the Lord. If you're here today and you would say, Court, I, I get a little bit of what you're saying about being a reflection of God. I get, I get all of that, but I, with my life, the way I've been living. I've not been living for God. I've not been living a, a, a life. Not, and we're not even talking about perfection. We're, we're, we're talking about just the common mistakes and sin that we all commit. If it not be for our Savior, we are lost. You can be as moral as you want to be and still go to hell one day. You can have the, the least amount of sin in your life compared to even Christians and you can still go to hell one day. Jesus overcame the world. He took on the sins of the world. For this moment in your life right now, if you're here in this room today or maybe you're listening to, to Spotify, if you're here today you hear this message, you're like, you know what? I, I really... I need to make sure, not, not out of doing this over and over again, but, 
but really realizing, hey, I may not even have a relationship with the living God today. And the Bible tells us that we cannot have salvation, we cannot have a relationship with the Father unless we go through the Son. If you're here today and you would say, Court, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to start new. I need to start fresh. Or maybe a person that thought you were saved because you've been going to church and you've been being a good husband or a good father. And maybe today you realize that that's not what the mark is of a Christian. That the mark of a Christian is giving your life, your heart over to Jesus, starting a relationship with Him. But salvation is not just one prayer. Salvation is a relationship that you walk out daily. Does it start with a prayer? Does it start with trust? Does it start with faith and, and a confession? Absolutely. But it doesn't end right here in this altar this morning. If you're here today and you would say, you know what, I, I need to give my life to Jesus today with every head bowed and every eye closed. Will you lift your hand very quickly and just admit that you need Jesus? You need to come back to Him today. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else today? Y'all can put your hands down. Anybody else today that would say, I need to kickstart my relationship with God, whether it's the first time or you're coming back to Him after many months, many years? Anybody else here today that would say, it's time. I need to give my life to Jesus today. You can lift your hand up and put it right back.